The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. Jerry Agar in for John Moore. And joining me on the panel, Samira Chaudhry, employment lawyer at Workley Law, Queen's Park Bureau Chief at the Toronto Star, Robert Benzie, and Richard Krause, host of the podcast Last Call with Richard Krause. Welcome all. I'm going to start with you, Samira, on the story we've been talking about this morning out of Quebec, where an arbitrator has told a trucking company they have to take back an employee they fired. Why did they fire her? Because she's a truck driver who left the suburban Montreal area location of the trucking company, I guess. She drove across the border into the United States and crashed the truck in Pennsylvania because she had had up to, she's not sure, nine beers. She couldn't stop herself. She's an alcoholic. Um, and the arbitrator said to the trucking company, well, you have to make accommodations to her. She can't help herself. She's, uh, she's um, uh, an alcoholic. Deb Hutton said earlier, and she's not a lawyer, you are. Um, yeah, but what she did was illegal. First of all, the uh, agreement with the truckers is that if they drink, they lose their job. I don't get where this arbitrator is coming from at all. Do you? Well, Jerry, when it comes to federally regulated employees and truck drivers are federally regulated, uh, you have the, the the burden is a much higher for a federal empl- uh, federally regulated employer to terminate those employees like truck drivers. So you have to establish that you actually have cause and. That's why an arbitrator can actually reinstate this truck driver. No provincially regulated um, employees have the same right, except when it comes to you know some human rights cases. But federally regulated workers actually have this protection. I do think the arbitrator likely got it wrong because even the collective agreement in this case said, uh, if if you drink and drive, we have we, we can terminate you immediately. I don't think the that that part of the collective agreement here necessarily was taken into um, or given the weight it, it probably should have. And yes, it is illegal. But when you raise the card of accommodation, when you say, yes, I'm an alcoholic, I require accommodation, that can very well put a, a really heavy burden on an employer to accommodate the employee to find them other work. So this does sound wrong. This probably won't pass the smell test. The, the employer here says that they're going to appeal. And I think it's going to be closely watched because it's very likely that this arbitrator's decision could be overturned. Richard, from time to time, I think of that Dickens character, Mr. Bumble, who said sometimes the law is an ass. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you on this one. Alcoholism uh, is a disease. And I think that uh, if anything, this company perhaps should have, rather than reinstate her, potentially uh, putting other people at risk if she's behind the wheel. Again, maybe uh, she has to go into rehab and they somehow help with the cost of rehab or they give, make sure that she has ongoing treatment, something like that, uh, that then once that's completed, uh, once some time has passed, maybe maybe then she can be reinstated to her job. Uh, But the idea that you would uh, give back a job to someone who said, yeah, I had nine beers, maybe I can't remember. I was on the verge of, of, you know, being extremely intoxicated while I was behind the wheel. uh, just doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Robert Benzie, you'd want to defend the truck driver or do we move on? 
<laughs> we should move on, Jerry, right. I think, because I agree with Sanira and Richard. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm sure uh, the truck drivers are sober as they take their trucks from the food banks today over to the metro stores that are closed to collect a bunch of uh, perishable food. I don't know if they'll also get the shelf-stable stuff, but I guess that's the little silver lining in this metro strike. Well, well, Jerry, you're right. I mean, I, I was I found your interview with uh, Neil Hetherington from the uh, from the food bank very interesting this morning because I, when I walked to work along College Street to Queens Park, uh, I, I Jerry, yes, oh sorry, yeah, I I, I I was I was I just lost you for a second. Um, I, when I, I walked to work along College Street past the Fort York Food Bank, and I see the lineups there, and these are people who are clearly by their clothing heading to their jobs or, or a workplace after they collect food from the food bank. This is not, you know, it's not, they're not homeless folks. They're lining up for food. Yeah. These are people who are clearly working and it's humbling. I'll tell you. And I think it speaks to uh, an, a, an affordability crisis in the city where people can't afford their rent or, 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 or uh, to get around. And I think that that's, that's something we have to look at and good for the, good for the workers at Metro and full disclosure, I'm in Unifor, which is the same union that these union the, that the guys are on strike uh, at Metro. Um, so I, uh, I, I, I'm good for the union and good for management for, for making sure these foods uh, trucks get through. Are you walking the picket line? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Right. Here's Neil Hetherington, CEO of the Daily uh, Bread Food Bank. We are uh, today. Uh, in addition to the heavy load that uh, that our drivers already have, they uh, are being dispatched to. Um, there's uh, dozens. I think it's about two dozen uh, metro locations to pick up. Um, fresh food. Uh, you think about all of the uh, fresh food, the meat, uh, the spoil that will happen. And uh, and so we want to ensure that that doesn't happen. And it gets to the individuals who are experiencing hunger in our city. And, uh, and that number continues to rise. Can we be cynical as some people would be? I see this as a silver lining here, Sanira, but is this just Metro trying to curry favor with the public? I think Metro is doing, doing the right thing, Jerry. Of course, I mean, as some articles are saying, there are some organizations that have indicated that they would love a donation from Metro and don't have that relationship or haven't been offered anything from Metro. So, I mean, of course, we don't know if there's more to give. I guess there's always that that question. But I think to Benzie's point earlier, um, Jerry, that we know that these uh uh, instances are on the rise where a lot of food banks, I think the number was um, 65,000 visits back in 2019, we're over 260,000 visits uh, in our city now. It is uh, a staggering number. So, of course, Metro stepping in and and not, um, you know, participating in maybe the politics of, of handing out perishable food here and, and doing the right thing. I, uh, I, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's more any organization could do and some some food banks uh, uh, would like some donations, but absolutely, I think this is going in the right direction. After months of campaigning to get people from Ontario to move to Alberta with targeted billboard Mm -hmm. uh, online ads, subway posters, um, they're saying it paid off. Now, they're looking, Richard, at numbers. Real estate uh, people are saying that there's been an explosion in uh, out-of-province searches for what it costs to get an apartment, a place to live in Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, I have to believe that some of that turns into people moving. Those cities are saying, um, you know, bigger paychecks, smaller rent checks, that kind of thing. Uh, I I find it uh, believable that uh, a lot of people, especially from the GTA, might think, yeah, Alberta seems like an option. 
Yep, and Alberta's beautiful, and uh, if it is cheaper and there's bigger paychecks, uh, then why wouldn't you do it? Except that uh, this uh, talks about searches, and I'm I'm sure that some of those searches, as you just said, turn into people who actually pack it all up and and move west uh, from here. But um, I also have a feeling that a lot of people are like my wife, who is constantly looking at real estate listings and uh, looking at other places that we could live and you know, has this fanciful notion about different houses and condos and things both in Toronto and around the world that we might one day buy uh, and probably never will. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it is like a, a, a hobby for her uh, and she loves it. So I think probably part of this uh, is that. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if uh, speculators were coming in uh, and saying, well, I can buy up a bunch of real estate cheaply, a bunch of, you know, maybe uh, apartments or whatever whatever in uh, Calgary, I'm going to do that, live in Toronto, run them, hire a, a service to run them out there, which does nothing to help the affordability of Calgary uh, or Edmonton. Uh, but uh, I think that's probably part of it as well. Sure. That's something, Robert Benzi, that, uh, that Deb Hutton said earlier this morning. She said, I think some of those people are people in Toronto who are saying, oh, you can buy places cheap in Edmonton. Well, I'll just buy one and rent it out to somebody and I'll just stay here. Yeah, and, and run it as an Airbnb or something like that. For sure, Jerry, that's a, that's a concern. Um, but I think it is. it does speak to something that Premier Doug Ford has talked about a lot, and that's the affordability and the housing crisis that we have in Toronto, in Ontario, in GTA in particular, um, where one of the reasons why Mr. Ford's gotten so much controversy around the green belt and opening up land there is that he's promising to build or have built, developers build 1.5 million new homes uh, by 2032. So that's like 150,000 per year over a decade. And that's really hard to, to do, uh, but they need to do it because there's a thousand people are arriving every single day in Ontario. It's, a, it's a, as Mr. Ford says, it's the fastest growing uh, jurisdiction in North America right now, faster growing than Texas and, and Florida even. Uh, but we, we, we don't have accommodation for people. So I don't, I don't blame people for looking elsewhere to Alberta or, or to the Maritimes or wherever to, to live. All right, Sunira Chaudhry, you have your business, Workly Law. It's still a relatively new business, uh, and you, you're the founder of it. It would make sense if you decided that you wanted to get some promotional items with the name of your company <laughs> on it. In fact, uh, your personal branding would be cool if you use fountain pens with your, uh, with your company name on it. Um, but you're in a, a competitive enterprise. Are you comfortable with government departments buying those kind of branded tchotchkes to promote themselves when in fact they are government departments they're not in competition with anybody well i think this is a great initiative uh by the canadian taxpayers federation as you know jerry i am a board member on the ctf i think that uh this is something that everybody can relate to small business owners can relate to um and so yeah small businesses can sometimes have to get things like swag for example jerry i'm going out to uh an hr conference later in august and we're looking for exactly that what can we do to brand workly law at at, at this event that we're going to. But why would the government have to do that? Absolutely no idea why. And I think one of the agencies, the Fisheries and Oceans Canada, you know, they've spent they uh, something to the tune of $916,000 on branded merchandise. Who are they competing with? Who do they need wearing their sweatshirts or using their... Um, uh, fishing lines i you tell me but absolutely a waste of of 
tax dollar uh, tax dollars, and we should all be paying attention. One of the people from the Taxpayers Federation, uh, Richard, said the best example was Invest in Canada, because what they did is they got custom-made candles, which you then set on fire. So it was the greatest <laughs> analogy of all. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, yeah, I agree with Sonera. I, you know, I think if the entity is in competition with other companies, then absolutely, you, you, you've got to have something. I love a pen right now in my hand. I've been making notes with my pen from Joseph's Hairstyling for Men, established in 1959 at 1204 Young Street. I love their pens. I love that barbershop. And, and I'm all about the pens. But if you're not in competition, uh, as 95% of these big uh, government entities are, you don't need to have calendars, candles, or pens. Yeah, you know, I'm toting my groceries home today in a very spiffy, very large, reusable grocery bag from Frank Leo and Associates. <laughs> So there you go. Uh, that's Sanira Chaudhry, Robert Benzi, and Richard Krause. Thank you very much. So upcoming, Deb Hutton is filling in for me. And uh, you might find this surprising. She's going to shill for a $1.5 million government expenditure, which I think is frivolous. But uh, hey, I handed the show over to her, so what can I do? This is News Talk 1010.